Hello, and welcome to the From Way Downtown podcast. This is Nat Newell, Pacers editor for the Indy Star. I'm here, of course, with Dustin Dopirak, our Pacers insider. Crazy, busy weekend, uh, as it always is for the NBA around this time of year uh, with free agency. Um, we are going to dive into everything immediately here, but let's start with what I think you described as the most important but also easiest decision the Pacers had to make uh, in signing Tyrese Halliburton to a max contract. Uh, just, uh, I mean, on one hand, I don't know that we talked about this enough, wrote about this enough. On the other hand, I don't know what there is to say or, or because it's such an obvious move, but but take us through the move from, uh, from both sides. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was just from the beginning, even from April, when we were asking, you know, Kevin Pritchard about this at the end of the season, like, hey, when are you going to do this? And it was just, a, he, he just said basically, like, I, I feel like this is going to be simple. I feel like this is going to be easy. Um, and yet we probably, I, I should have written about it more, to be honest. But it was, you know, I, I think just obvious from both sides, both sides wanted this. Certainly Tyrese Halliburton, I think, uh, has really enjoyed, bought into, totally embraced the idea of being uh, a franchise centerpiece. And and basically they said really at the end of April, or not the end of April, at, in April, at the end of the season, you know, Ty is going to be a partner in this, that he's not just going to be a player. He's not just going to be the guy everybody looks at as the face of the franchise. He's going to be an integral part of the decision making. And he is invested in that. You know, certainly you've seen him from a public standpoint, you know, go out, going out and being the, uh, the guy on stage, the lottery. You know, going and do even I think this is a small part of it, you know, just going and uh, just driving the pace car at the Indy 500, but just doing all kinds of things that says, hey, I'm going to be here and I want to be here for the long term. And, and this the success of this franchise matters to me. And but also just I mean, he went to so many draft workouts. I mean, they, they had 16. I would venture to say I saw him about 12 uh, of those. I think there were, there were a couple he missed, um, but almost all of them, he was in the building, you know, uh, at the draft workouts working, you know, sitting next to Larry Bird, sitting next to Kevin Pritchard, uh, to, to people that were making decisions. Um, and, you know, he's talking through with these guys. So basically they wanted to know the whole time, you know, what do you think about him? What do you think about him? And so it was obvious that they were going to take the first opportunity they could to uh, lock him up for as long of a term of deal as you can. Obviously in the NBA, the, the these contracts don't go nearly as far as say they do uh, in Major League Baseball, at the NFL, where you can sign somebody for up to a decade. You know, basketball it's usually four or five years, and that's the end of it. Um, but you know, they 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 took this as far as they could take it uh, at the end of the day, and and are paying him as much as they could pay him. I mean, I think the fact that it's two two hundred sixty million dollars, we haven't seen it yet. But I presume that means that, that it has escalators uh, for all NBA. So it becomes a supermax basically once he uh, achieves what you have to achieve to become a supermax player to be able to be paid uh, at that level to get that uh, number, you know, uh, that that much cap room size. Uh, you can only get once you've uh, reached supermax status. So uh, just obvious thing to do, had to do it, um, but, you know, it gets done and, you know, it, it, there are things that work out nicely. I mean, he doesn't really start that contract until next year. So only counts 5.8 million against the cap this year. Uh, so that doesn't didn't mess with their cap space. They still had room to work. Um, and so it's kind of just, again, it's an easy decision, easy decisions on Halliburton's part, but just good for a franchise that in recent years has had trouble holding on to its superstars. Uh, it's a big deal to get him uh, to, to make sure that's that, that center piece is there and everybody can look around and say you're going to be with Tyrese Halliburton for the next five years if you choose to join this franchise yeah he's obviously shown uh that he can you know he makes guys better I mean we'll see how much mm -hmm. better how long that you know if he can actually sustain that there's no reason to think he can at this time um so and that's obviously a huge uh part of this uh quick uh just the basics I'm looking at spottrack.com um the contract is right now is 
five years for 206 million. As you noted, there's escalators in there depending on certain incentives. Um, but right starts at 35.5 million, ends at 46.86 million. That's 28.29. It'll only be 28 when that happens. I, I mean, obviously, it's a huge amount of money. Um, but even still, we're talking at most 30% of the cap if everything uh, you know happens the way uh, you would expect it to. Um, but still, I mean, I you know it's crazy to say 47 million dollars is uh, you know is it's well worth it, but that clearly is for Halliburton. Yeah, I mean, it's the going rate. And, and that's the thing, too, is and obviously it can end up being, you know, any of these deals can be a disaster if somebody gets hurt. You know, obviously, that's that's the risk that you run is you hope that nobody nobody gets a debilitating injury. But in terms of being able to trust like this guy is going to be this caliber of player, uh, you know, and, and, and this is the case for literally everybody you signed to this. But there are a bunch of other guys at this level that are getting the same type of money. You're making the risk that they're going to avoid, you know, disastrous injury. Um, but, you know, Halliburton, I think, has shown, you know. Like if, if he's gets the same level of health that you've seen from guys like, you know, Nikola Jokic, Jokic and Joel and Joel Embiid and, and guys that have mostly been able to stay healthy and, and play full seasons and, and not uh, go through anything deeply wrong. you got every reason to believe that he could perform at that level. I mean, 20 points, 10 assists this year, shot 40 percent from threes. First person ever do that. Um, you know, at, you're just you're seeing him do just special, special things. He's got a personality uh, that really fits and he, and he's valuable. I mean, like. Even, um, you know, even games he missed, you could see that there was value there from him being there. I mean, he's, he's a guy that, that you know, just sort of keeps up um, the energy in the place. Uh, you know, it just there, there's a lot of things that he can do and, you know, a, a lot of ways that he makes your franchise better. And just a lot of ways that he serves as just a foundational building block. And it's just everything. I mean, you had to you got to commit to something basically. I mean, and so it was kind of obvious in that way that you, you've got to commit to, you know, if you're going to make a run at the, you know, just getting better, getting back to being a playoff team, you know, you have to kind of lock your centerpiece player in and say, okay, this is who we're building off of. And then it goes from there. Um, so again, it was just, it was just an obvious move. And when, when you have a player at this level, this is how much he costs now, you know, as crazy as those numbers are, and you think back 10 years and 15 years and whatever, and, you know, there was a time that the only guy who was making this kind of money in a year was Michael Jordan. And now there's probably 20, you know, 20 some guys that are doing it. You know, that is what it is. That's the going rate for NBA players. Now they're drop, they're bringing in the money. And so it's like, who ought to get it other than the guys that are playing at this level. So it's pretty, you know, again, considering the, the market, considering the economics of the NBA, uh, this was an obvious, obvious deal. Um, yeah, he's the highest, the highest, it'll be the highest salary the Pacers have paid to a player. In a single By a long season. shot. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Turner, Miles Turner made 35 million last year um, mm. with the sort of fluky deal. Before that, sure. it was, but he healed at 23 million. So yeah, it escalates quickly. Uh, um, interestingly enough, Paul George uh, was never the highest pay. was never never had that mark because he never made more than uh, Jermaine O'Deal did in 2007 eight. But uh, mm. well, we were just talking about how crazy these salaries can be. Well, uh, then, well, let's move on to the uh, the free agent signing that the Pacers made in Bruce Brown. A lot of talk about his $45 million for two years. I texted you. It was insane. And then I thought about it and realized, you know, it's not. It's crazy, mm. but it's not that crazy. Right. Um, Tar, let's hit the salary thing first, and then we'll talk about what he brings as a player. But what was your mm. initial, what are your thoughts on, on paying Bruce Brown uh, $22.5 a year on average? Yeah, well, I mean, a, a big piece is they had to give it to somebody. 
uh, you know, that that's the deal. I mean, they're they're moving in penalties for not being able to reach the salary floor. Like they were going to take that money off you if you didn't get there. Um, so obviously they went into this with this bunch about a cap space. Uh, and so they had every intention of, of going after somebody and going after somebody big. And I think what happened is. Uh, some players were able to use that to gain leverage and get bigger deals, uh, you know, from their teams. Uh, ba- basically, I think there were, I think, a lot of guys who wanted to stay where they were and said, hey, look, the Pacers are willing to pay me. You know, they, they have this ton of cap room. You know, they're going to make me an offer. I want to stay. What what can you do? Um, so I think, you know, there, there were they were, you know, connected to Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant. I think Kyle Kuzma to some extent. Um, I think you had to um, think that they were interested in, in a Cam Johnson or a really Hachimura. I didn't see a lot of you know smoke around them uh leading into free agency but it was like okay like these were the power forwards on the list and so all those guys got paid uh a lot i mean jeremy grant in particular i think he got five years 160 million um so that's a whole lot you know harrison barnes got three years for 54 you know a guy hitting his 30s that's a big big you know a significant contract uh and a significant um you know amount of uh you know dedication there from the kings cam johnson i think was four years kyle kuzma was four years 102 Cam Johnson was somewhere along the same lines. Uh, I think it might be slightly different, um, but you know, all those guys. Eight. What's Four that? Years, Four years, okay. yeah. Johnson, I believe. So yeah, I thought that that sounds right. And so all these guys are, are were making huge cash, and and they stayed. So obviously you have an advantage uh, if you're keeping somebody. One, they're there. Um, you know, they're already playing for them, and so it's like it's 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 it costs a lot of money to lure somebody away, especially you know the, the way the cap works. I mean, the you you get more forgiveness than anything else for keeping your guys. That's what allows you to go way over the cap and into the luxury tax. You know, without anything triggering, is basically if you if you continue to sign your guys, there's generally a lot of sort of forgiveness for that. Um, so ultimately, you know, like everybody that they wanted to pay that money, everybody they wanted to take a big swing on, uh, ended up signing to, to stick around. So it's like, okay, well you, you, you know, you have all this money and you have to spend it, you know, rather, you know, you, you end up sort of spending it on other people. I think as, as if I read it correctly, they take all the money and disperse it, you know, like you have to pay that money, you lose the cap room and it gets dispersed around all the players in the NBA. Uh, because they're sort of demanding that you hit this floor and it's 90% of the cap. So that's the cap is 136 million. You have to get to 122 million. You have to be spending that on your payroll. So to get to that number, they needed to pay somebody. And I think, I think Bruce Brown, his contract put them right around the, the limit and they got, they went over by getting Obi, Obi top. And I mean, they're still South of the cap, uh, I believe. And, but they were to get close to it, to get close enough to it, to avoid having a floor penalty, they had to pay somebody. And so you go get Bruce Brown and obviously, you know, like by itself in a vacuum, you probably say, okay, well you, you paid too much for that guy. He's only averaged double figures in scoring one year. Um, but if you think about, okay, if you, if you have to spend that, what do you want? If it, you know, if, if you have to spend that on somebody, once all of the, the sort of bigger names that were really commanding that kind of money are off the table, what would you want in a player that you sort of have to take? And what Bruce Brown gives you is a guy that can do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, and obviously did it for a winner has now championship experience has proven, Hey, you know, I can do a lot of things for a team that can win the whole thing. So yeah, I can do something that can help you. Um, 
you know, I mean, he he made some huge plays for Denver. I mean, he was really, really important role player, probably one of the most consistent of them. I mean, it, it really seemed like in the finals, especially, it was a different guy every night from them. You know, Christian Brown had some good nights, and I'm trying to, you know, like, obviously the starters, you know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and, you know, Jamal Murray, obviously Joker was carrying them the whole way. But th- there were, you know, it's almost, almost every night they had somebody else who was having a big night, and Bruce Brown had a couple of those. Some nights where he really went off scoring the basketball, was able to really get to the rim, finish through contact, draw a lot of free throws, hit the occasional three-pointer on offense, you know, pass, handle, all those kinds of things. He's got point guard experience, but he's 6'4", 202. He can play and guard legit threes. He can get, go, you know, you, you can move him to the floor if you want to. Obviously, that's not optimal. Um, and that's doesn't, get, you know, he's not necessarily a, a better four option than Aaron Neesmith is, but Brown's probably a, a better all-around player. Um, and, you know, and having a, a couple of those guys that are sort of Swiss Army knife cut type guys that you can, you know, bring off the bench or start whenever you need to. There's just a lot of things that he does. Like, you're going to get value back for him. And they got a team option, which was obviously smart. Uh, you know, they can get a good productive out of out of year out of him. And if they decide next year when that Halliburton max kicks in um, and, you know, they're, they're going to have some other decisions they have to make. If they decide, OK, you know, move on from Bruce Brown, let somebody else go pay him. They can do that. You know, I mean, they're, they're not locked into this for a long deal. You know, Bruce Brown's, Brown's happy. He's almost quadrupled his salary. So even if he has to go somewhere else in a year, somebody else is going to pay him. You know, even if he has to take a pay cut, he's going to get paid well, uh, whatever happens to him. So it ends up being kind of a win-win proposition. I mean, really, it's different because of the floor. If you were just moving it as a vacuum, is is Bruce Brown worth $22 million a year? You know, probably not. But if, if you have to spend $22 million a year, is it the worst thing on earth to spend it on Bruce Brown? No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, a couple of points that I thought. Now, the one thing that really turned me around on it was the fact that it's a team option for the second year. You know, there's a yeah. there's a saying in all sports that there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of truth to that. I mean, unless Bruce Brown averages four points and two rebounds and can't get on the floor, uh, right. I mean, that's, to me, that's pretty much the only way this is not – because even if he's not quite what you expect him to be, um, mm-hmm. then you just you cut him loose at the end of the year and you're fine. There's right. no – I think there's some people who, you know, you, you might look at it and say, well, he's playing for Denver with the greatest passing big man of all time. And everyone looks great. There's certainly some truth to that. But Brown's been good other places. He was good in Detroit. He was good in Brooklyn. So, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that to me that and like you say, I mean, I believe previous to this CBA, you had the entire season to get to the, the cap. You the, got to the before. opener now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you have to do it. But before I mean, this, you know, you could. If you were below the floor the whole time, and then if you and if you did not end up adding any salary, all that happens is they figure out what the difference was and they would pay the guys on the team. So that always yeah. I, that was always weird because it created these situations where teams would mm. literally bring in a high priced guy, and that guy was literally taking money out of his teammates' pockets. Yeah. Uh, so this seems like a better approach for everyone. Um, you know, the only thing I wonder about is you know I, I like Austin Reeves a little bit better than than Bruce Brown. But I don't know if the timing with him being a restricted free agent caused problems in terms of they would not have been at the mm-hmm. floor with Reeves because the Lakers would have had a day to to, to respond or not. Um, right. So that, well, they, that, have the, they have till the sixth, so the, it's different. For, it's different in the moratorium. If you do it after, once you get past the, the the moratorium, which like basically, technically, you're not allowed to sign any of these contracts until the sixth. Right. Um, you know, so so even though all, the, all all of these have been reported and came out and everything like that, you know, none of them are official until July 6th. That's when they put pen to paper. So 
in so when it comes to restricted free agents they don't have their clock doesn't start ticking as far as how long you have to match an offer sheet until july 6th and you have 24 hours from then so it used to be 48 hours it's down to 24 so that's quicker but you know if if you put if like so if they wanted pj washington or grant williams you know if, if they had gotten involved in there that's that's when those guys would be you know that's when those teams would be making their decisions so reeves is a similar scenario um and so that's why it's a lot easier ultimately for teams to keep them you know so they they have until um you you can you, you can give the offer sheet if you want but all those teams that are you know guys that are restricted free agents usually when they get these you know big offers from their current teams that's above what they were getting they usually take them um and so you know that's because i think i mean like reeves did, like i feel twitter was messed up all weekend i didn't miss anything austin reeves did you know his he, deal is with the Lakers, right Resigned, yeah, but he is going to resign with the yeah. Lakers. It was, I think, it was 14, 15 million a year or something like that. Um, mm. So again, I mean, I, you know, but but if you get the worst thing that happens is you get Bruce Brown, who by all accounts is an excellent like on-ball defender, which the Pacers mm. definitely need. Um, like you say, he can play small forward and power forward a little bit. Not ideal at his size, but but that's the mm. kind of that's the kind of defensive player he is that he can handle that. Yeah, he can handle a bigger wing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. so, I mean, how do you see the the minutes sort of breaking down in the uh, in the backcourt for the Pacers or on the on the perimeter, basically for the Pacers right now? I mean, Halliburton's obviously locked in at point guard. Yeah, I almost you're bringing Nebhard off the bench because you probably have to. You probably want Mather in the start, and then mm-hmm. it's starting at small forward, and Naismith is coming off the bench. I, what I mean, what do you sort of see uh, right now as how they're gonna? They're going to use those guys. I, I really don't know. And I have the like, I, I can already hear Rick Carlo's answer. I mean, I'm sure we're going to ask this. I mean, if they, if they bring Rick up, if, if they have a press conference on uh, Thursday when these become official and Rick's up there, I'm sure I'm going to ask, what do you think about how yeah, either me or, you know, somebody else in the beat is going to ask, you know, how are you going to handle you know, all these guards? What do you think Bruce sets in? It, like Rick will be like, don't worry, I'll take care of that. Bruce Brown will find a way to get on the floor. Like I, I can see that as like Bruce Brown is a basketball player. You know, like that's going to be the answer. I think is is when this comes down to be like, okay, what do you, what exactly are you going to do with this guy? That's going to be it's like Bruce Brown is a basketball player that there will be minutes for him somehow, some way. Um, I mean, I can see it going a whole de- bunch of different directions. I do think they want to start Matherin. I, I do think they, you know, they, they certainly started heading in that direction, you know, especially with, you know, you can really read a lot into Rick Carlisle's rhetoric, honestly. Um, and I think that was when he started to use the term, like, because he definitely went from, you know, let's not make this a big thing about Benedict Matherin starting to, this is about the responsibility of starting. But in between, he also said, we don't want to skip st- skip steps here. And I think he definitely viewed it as, you know, you're going to sort of ease him into this, that it was going to be better for him if he got to be the leading scorer on that second unit. You know that that was ultimately going to lead to better growth, but then toward the end of the season, especially when they decided, okay, this is not going to be a playoff team. Let's take Halliburton off the board. Let's take Turner off the board. But we're going to push the rest of these guys. Um, and you know, really, Matherin got pushed all the way. You know, I mean, that that's the uh, if, if they want to argue that that wasn't a tank, I mean, that's their best argument is to say that Benedict Matherin was still out there and they were pushing him and, you know, forcing him into a lot of uncomfortable positions. So I really think that they view this as, okay, well, it's time, you know, it's, it's time for him to come in and take this over. And so now what does that do to Buddy Heald? What does that do to Andrew Nemhard? You know, tough to say. I mean, I, I, I could see it being 
um, you know, Halliburton, um, Matherin healed, you know, and then uh, maybe Toppin for now, and we'll get to Obi. Uh, and Turner is the, your starting five, and then your second five. I mean, they might put McConnell and Nemhard out there together. Um, and, you know, possibly Neesmith is the three. You got some issues with, with the lack of scoring there. Uh, maybe Nora um, at the three. I mean, they, they are going to have some tough situations there. They are going to have some tough decisions to make. And I, I think there's still a possibility that there's moves because of that, um, because there's a possibility of you, you could put some valuable guys in positions where they're not getting opportunity. Um, so there's, it's a possibility that somebody gets moved rather than lead to that position. I mean, I, I, I still, you know, um, much as it would hurt my notebook, I'm sure that there's a possibility that Buddy gets moved. Um, you know, that I, I, obviously he's still a valuable piece. And so it depends on what he can bring in, but I, I don't think it's out of the question that that could still happen. Um, but so it, it is going to be, I think, very interesting to see what they're going to do. Obviously, Duarte, you know, this hasn't necessarily been confirmed yet, but obviously saw the, all the reports that, 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 that they were close to finalizing that deal, sending him out to Sacramento. So that opens up a little bit of positions on the wing. Um, so it's tough to say, but you know, Brown's Brown's going to be a piece of it one way or the other. And it's just a question of how is he going to be first unit? Is going to be second unit? Um, they're going to get him on the floor someplace and, you know, they, they might still have to move somebody to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing them starting Halliburton healed and Matherin from a defensive standpoint. It's true. But, yeah. It's another but, issue. But, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I, I mean, it's not like Rick Carlisle's wrong. This is stuff. That, yeah. And Rick's going to say this picture, is a good problem to have. I have options. Yeah. Uh, in the big picture, it's not that big a, a thing mm-hmm. to, ch- you know, to tackle right now. Mm-hmm. Although it could, you know, you, they got a lot of guys who are kind of the same in terms of their Ta- same talent level, same yes. all around talent level. They've got different things that they're good at, um, but they're about the same level of good, <laughs> you and know, and. And yeah. by the end of the year, if you're playing, if some if one guy's playing over another, that could cause some problems. But, but again, yeah. we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. So sure, um, it, it 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 will probably be an issue. We will probably be talking about this at some point in time. That you know, right now we just don't know who it is. Um, you know, it, it, at some point this is going to to lead them to probably have to move somebody. Um, and whether that's now or whether that's at the deadline or whatever, there there is a good chance that this addition puts them in a position that somebody they like uh overall as a player um has to get traded just to give that person an opportunity and it could be jordan nora it could be aaron neesmith it could be buddy healed it could be teacher mcconnell um you know uh it, it could be several somebody you know one somebody or multiple somebodies that have to be moved ultimately just to um you know so that they don't get stuck in their development and you know the people the guys that they want on the floor are the guys that are on the floor right and we could certainly see someone not playing who played significantly significant minutes last year so yes mm-hmm. you mentioned obi toppin i mean the number one we should stay up front none of this stuff is official yet um I, the only time i can remember this not being something that's been reported as widely as all this stuff has been reported you've obviously had sources tell you that this is all happening yeah. uh, frank gore supposedly signed with the eagles and then the colts ended up signing him that year it's the only mm-hmm. time i can remember anything that didn't mm-hmm. that, that everybody reported was going to happen didn't. Um, so in all, it's hard to imagine any of the stuff not happening, but we should at least note that nothing's official until uh, the new league year starts and everybody, everything gets announced. But yes, but it, it sure seems to me they've effectively traded 
Chris Duarte for Obi Toppin. Um, maybe they got even a little extra draft capital. Maybe they gave away a little extra draft capital on that. But mm. given uh, where they're at, given what we were just talking about with their extra perimeter players, um, it's hard to see this anything except as a as a, a really great move for the Pacers to add Toppin. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think and, and going back to the signing situation, I mean, they I, I think they all, all always viewed it as you've got to add somebody at power forward that, that you know, drafting Jairus Walker was great and they're ecstatic and they're happy about him. But he's a 19 year old kid uh, and being asked to play a physical position. So how ready is that guy going to be to play right away? And so you have to at least make sure you have a backup plan. Uh, there and somebody that that maybe you start at the beginning and sort of so that you can ease Walker into it and you know maybe all you know Toppin's got one year left on his deal and then he's a restricted free agent so you might be in a position where you're just using this guy one year as a bridge um, to sort of help Walker along I and mean, he's going to get his minutes I mean that they're not going to not gonna and not play him um, but you know he he really fits I mean I, I think I was really surprised that they didn't get him uh, at the deadline and I'm not sure what changed. Uh, for the Knicks, um, basically, or, or if they felt like they had to move, you know, guys along, they they picked up Dante DiVincenzo, they re-signed Josh Hart um, during this deal. So, I mean, I, they, there might be, a, I, I can't even remember who they drafted. Well, Derek White, no, that was Brooklyn. I'm trying to think of what the Knicks got. Um, one way or another, they decided it was time to move on from Obi Toppin. He was obviously only, he never played more than 17 minutes a game for a whole season uh, behind Julius Randle. And, and certainly at this point, it, it seems they're, you know, committed to, to him, Randle still being the guy uh, on that team as much as there was sort of hand-wringing and talk about, I think Stephen A. Smith was ready to trade him uh, as soon as that season ended, the series ended against the Heat. But I mean, he's still, for now at least, uh, the guy there. And so, you know, why keep a guy that you're, you know, if somebody really wants this guy that you're back, you know, only given backup minutes, uh, it's obviously worth moving him. So, but he just, he fits in a lot of levels, obviously, you know, really good athlete, really high leaper, you know, won the 2022 dunk contest, which wasn't a great dunk contest, but he won it. Um, you know, just really gets up, uh, re- really can run in transition, can finish in transition, really good dunker, has a good outside shot. I mean, you saw just at Dayton, his, he's got ability to score in multiple ways. Um, you know, need him to be a better defender, need him to be a better rebounder, which I think is achievable um, just because of the body he's got. You know, 6'9", 220, high leaper and a bunch of muscle. I mean, he should be able to box some people out and grab some rebounds. And you just think this, this the total minutes are going to help. Uh, and you would think that he'll probably start out of the gate. And, you know, you're only paying him six point eight million. Uh, you know, that's th- that works fine. That's a deal as far as salary is concerned for a couple second round picks. It's an easy move. And so you definitely made yourself better a power forward, got somebody that, that, that can take that spot so you can ease Walker into the situation. Um, you know, definitely no, no lose circumstances. Put you a little bit higher over that floor. Um, you know, everything works there. Obviously, in a, a year from now, you get to decide whether you want to keep him, whether it's necessary uh, or not to continue to pay him, um, you know, as you continue to grow Walker into that position. So it's yeah, it was just sort of an obvious move. And, and once all those names were off the board, you know, in the first hour and a half uh, of free agency and you've got Brown, it was just, you know, and you still had a, a roster spot left. And, and you know, that 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 top and stuff seemed obvious. I mean, you started seeing that kick around uh, sort of middle of the day. Uh, either Thursday or Friday was when that, that finally became a thing. Um, and, you know, by like, you know, by Saturday afternoon, it made all the sense in the world uh, for them to put that deal together. So it really fits. I mean, obviously, again, they, they had to address that position. That was the one spot that that had to be addressed going into the offseason and getting Walker in the draft and, you know, topping, uh, you know, in the trade is, is the best that they could do because, you know, again, nobody else moved. So no, nobody 
none of those unrestricted free agents move and there's a chance that you know none of the guys that they would have had target as targets as free agency uh, are going to leave their previous teams yeah i mean i top in uh took a step back a little bit last year although again obviously limited minutes per 36 in 21 22 he was at 19 points a game 7.8 rebounds shot 53 percent last year he was down to 17.6.4 rebounds uh only shot 44 six from the field did shoot much, you know, shot better on threes last year, 34-4. He was uh, below 31% as two previous But Kevin Pritchard is, has shown that he can find young guys who don't have a shot somewhere else and uh, bring them in here and, uh, you know, sort of unearth a uh, player who's better than they've shown previously. Um, and, and like you say, there's very little risk here. Uh, I mean, to me, I guess the only risk is that Chris Duarte breaks out somehow and mm-hmm. Duarte Last year was your first year on the beat. Obviously, you've been around Indiana, but but Duarte was really, really good at the beginning of his rookie year, and then it just uh, he had some injuries. He wasn't quite as good, but to me, this is just a no-brainer um, in terms of just just from the positions and the the potential. Uh, I think Pritchard also deserves some credit. There were some guys who didn't get who finally got traded who had been on the trade block for a while. I mean, Toppins one is not quite as big a deal, but. I can't believe they wouldn't have given a first round pick to the Knicks for him at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up getting him for less than that. You know, John Collins got basically traded for almost nothing. Um, so I just think about those guys and it's like, but, and, but Pritchard ended up keeping Turner, obviously got Halliburton in return for Sabonis. Kings aren't complaining about that either. But I do think Pritchard deserves some credit for, sort of maximizing, uh, you know, I think I mean, you've, you've written it, we've talked about it. I don't think they made the, the big, the huge splash they were hoping to, but I do give Richard credit for maximizing what the opportunities were out there for him, for, for the Pacers uh, this offseason. Yeah, no, I think the best way to kind of evaluate everything they did, and, and I think they'll say this, and they, and they certainly, you know, Chad Buchanan said this around the draft, like after the draft, basically, like, hey, we tried all of this stuff. It, you know, like if it, I could see being as a Pacers fan being a little bit frustrated that they didn't um, th- th- they didn't connect on the swings that they were trying to make ultimately, uh, you know, because obviously Kevin Pritchard was saying really from the beginning. I mean, just even going back to January, I mean, we're going to have all this flexibility. We're going to have this cap space. We're going to have this draft capital. You know, I, I, I really am itching to kind of make a big deal. Like I feel, you know, and, and I feel like we're, we're in a good position to do that, a good position to try. And it just seemed like, again, at, at every phase they've taken some cuts and and ultimately weren't able to get it across. And it mostly is because the teams they were dealing with just decided, you know, I, I don't really want to move it. You know, I, 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 I want to keep this guy. And and almost everybody they've been after, they've been rumored to be after, for the most part, is still on their teams. Uh, you know, a, a John Collins obviously being an exception, now them having gotten Obi Toppin certainly being an exception as well. Um, but it, it just seems like they have made the offers. They have made the calls. Like you can't, you know, ultimately say that the Pacers didn't make, uh, didn't put forth the effort. Certainly you don't know what all they put on the table. You don't know where they drew the line and said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give you this, but I won't give you that. Um, and, you know, certainly you would, if, if you got all those all the table, you might judge them a little bit differently in, in terms of what they were, you know, sort of too gun shy to give up or what they valued or what they didn't. Um, you know, and that certainly d- depends on your personal valuation of Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, you know, uh, you know, even Benedict Matherin. I mean, I would think that Benedict Matherin was just like, you better blow my, so-, you know, just, just absolutely knock my socks off. Uh, it, you know, just blow me away, um, you know, to, to, to get him off, off my hands. Um, but, you know, 
we, we don't know what was what, but ultimately it seems like they tried everything. And once they realized that, that those big moves weren't there, they did a good job of then countering and sort of, you know, backfilling, like, like having sort of strategic retreats, if you will, to kind of defend what they wanted and, and get what they wanted. You know, um, you know, obviously when it came to the draft and they sort of realized, okay, like we've got to move this 29 and 32, we're not going to be able to move up. Uh, they were able to get some value. Um, you know, they obviously got the first round pick for next year from the Nuggets, which again is not the Nuggets pick. It's the Thunder's pick, which is the worst of four other picks or, you know, so I know that's a long story. Um, but, you know, a- able to move back and position in the second round to use something to get it on somebody who was two-way level what they ended up using that also Mojave King who they end up uh you know stashing uh who's going to apparently play overseas uh next season so that opened up another two-way deal they got Oscar Shibway which I, I think is a great addition on a two-way you know national player of the year consensus all-american you know you get to see on a two-way if he becomes Reggie Evans um so they're so I, I thought they did a good job of sort of backfilling there and again Getting the guy they wanted to get, you know, not risking that feeling, you know, making, I think, two good picks that that fit their needs uh, with Shepard and Walker and then moving back strategically so that, you know, you already had one pick in position to get a two way. You put another position uh, for a two way slash stash guy. And, um, you know, you, you, you're not forced to add a guaranteed contract when you already had some roster issues. So you don't put yourself in that position. They end up taking advantage uh, of that roster space by getting Toppin uh, and by getting, you know, Bruce Brown. Um, and again, you know, getting into free agency, you know, looking at all the big name power forwards they wanted, the Jeremy Grants, the Harrison Barnes, you know, while it was becoming clear to them that those guys were off the board, it's like, OK, adjust. All right. If you're not going to get any of them, you yeah, got to money. And they went and got Bruce Brown. And so, you know, it, they, they did a really good job of, of, you know, swinging for the fences, making their first big attempt, making their first big push, knowing, you know, when to fold them, if you will, and sort of stepping away and saying, OK, what's the next move? What's your next opportunity? You know, and if you're not going to be able to get a big power forward with all this money, uh, you know, highly paid established starter, who can you get? You know, how can you make yourself better at power forward if these guys are on the table and they identified Obi Toppin and, and you know, went back in? To, you know, certainly got every reason to believe that those um, conversations happened uh, around um, uh, just around the deadline, you know, didn't get done, didn't get finished. And they were able to kind of restart those and, and get that done in, in apparently relatively short shrift. So, you know, it, it just it was a, just a really good job, I think, think of adjusting again. It wasn't everything they wanted. You know, they had, I'm sure, grander visions, but they did a really good job of adjusting to make sure that they could sort of check off the boxes. Say, OK, maybe we didn't get everything we wanted, but we did get what we needed here. And I got to thank the last Reggie Evans reference in our basketball podcast i that's gonna i mean that's gonna be 10 years maybe so uh mm-hmm. that um I, anything else you want to talk about any just big picture on what the pacers have done it doesn't seem like there's i mean they could certainly make another move here or there um but mm-hmm. it's it could certainly be basically done at this point too just uh, anything else you want to hit on uh before we move on to something else uh completely ridiculous yeah no i think to continue on this spot i think you know r- r- if you take a step back and kind of look at um Everybody, I mean, the Pacers still ended up being one of the bigger movers and shakers here um, as far as as far as adding external talent. I mean, just again, so much of this free agency ends up getting defined by uh, who didn't move. And and certainly Damian Lillard is going to end up becoming the biggest story and talk about him. And, uh, you know, he that that's a that's certainly a big deal. That's going to be the biggest sort of earth shaking move, whoever does end up landing him. But, you know, again, so many of the big name free agents that you were pointing to end up staying. I think I mean, Fred Van Vliet is the number one 
you know, biggest free agent who changes teams, if I'm not mistaken. And it's by a long shot. I mean, like, who, who's who's number two, you know, as, as like the biggest name free, free agent who changed teams? A lot of guys got a lot of money to stay, um, you know, but not a lot of them, you know, ended up moving. I mean, I think Kyrie Irving is in the same place. I mean, James Harden is going to be a big one, too, um, you know, wherever. Uh, what's up? Yeah, I mean, Harden's not a free agent, so. Right, uh, exactly. So guys that were signed, you know, I mean, he obviously ended up, uh, he opted in, so he didn't become a free agent. So when he gets traded and where, um, you know, but like everybody else, even 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 Westbrook stayed in the same place, which I thought was surprising. I mean, you know, Draymond Green stays, Grant stays, Barnes stays, Irving stays, you know, just basically everybody had, you know, Kristaps uh, Porzingis gets traded beforehand. Um, and, and there were certainly some significant moves, Brad Beal, you know, moving as well. But in terms of free agency itself, there were not too many guys who just signed a new contract with somebody else. And so, you know, you have to get the credit for Pacers for getting somebody who is worthwhile and, you know, again, addressing their needs and, and getting, you know, on top of that, a couple players who are going to help their cause. So all around, you know, when, when you not only consider the moves they made in free agency, the moves they made in the draft, they were able to, to really help themselves without getting rid of, you know, any major pieces. Yeah, I mean, Chris Middleton was another one who stayed. Chris Middleton, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, is and Brooke Lopez hasn't signed anywhere yet. He might be. Uh, seem I think like he, he is going to Milwaukee. I think I think I saw that. They, they, they're, I was yeah. going to see. So, uh, yeah, what is the second? Uh, I mean, I can't even think of who the second biggest. Uh, I mean, we're getting to Bruce Brown uh, pretty quick Dylan here. Dylan Brooks, maybe. Yeah, Dylan Brooks, maybe going Brooks, to Houston. Yeah, he went to Houston. Um, yeah, I mean that it's just a really short list. It's an excellent point. It's a short list of uh, uh, Thomas Bryant, former IU's uh, mm-hmm. star. Thomas Bryant comes up on that list. Really, Seth Curry's another one. I mean, I, but again, it's not like he's. I mean, he's a nice uh, piece, but he's not uh, anything mm-hmm. made. So yeah, it is pretty amazing. Yeah, Eric um, Gordon and Eric Gordon and Cody Zeller today. So bringing up the IU guys, uh, Cody's going to New Orleans, and uh, Eric Gordon. This is a nice situation for him. He's going to Phoenix, uh, so that's nice. It puts him back on a contender. Um, you know, that's a, that's a good situation for him. I think you have to look at. I mean, I'm not going to call Phoenix the favorites in the West because that Denver team's really good, and and I think we're you know we we des- definitely as sort of a. I don't know about NBA media, but just sort of sports media in general, I think, under, underestimated how good of a run Denver was on and how good of a team that is. So after somebody dominates like that, and and, and again, when you continue to look at just how good of a player Joker is, um, I, I don't want to underestimate Denver. And I'm not going to go into next season saying that Denver isn't the favorite to repeat because I think that team's really, really good. But, you know, certainly the best bet to knock them off is Phoenix in the West, you know, by a long shot, you know, adding Beal, uh, moving on from Paul, but then, then at, you know, Eric Gordon's a nice little piece for them. They could be, you know, second unit guard, you know, scorer, uh, for the time being. And then when you get him in the playoffs, you know, can be a guy that can sort of heat up and get some threes for you at some really good times. So he's in a nice situation. Obviously he's still got some, some left in the tank and, and it's not out of the question that, that, you know, Gordon could score a ring by being in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean Eric Gordon is pretty high on that list of players, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who move. So it's it's amazing just how little, uh, like you say, just how how high the Pacers are in terms of adding outside uh, uh, pieces. Mm-hmm. And speaking of adding outside pieces, uh, <laughs> I spent time today uh, looking at Dame Lillard, uh, Indiana Pacers trades. Uh, we'll be right up front and note Damian Lillard is not coming to the Pacers uh, no. for any <laughs> reason. The, 
Trailblazers did have been reportedly are reportedly going to look at all options trading him. I can't imagine the Pacers would trade him unless he said yes, I'll play in Indiana and be happy there. Which, given the vibes we've gotten, I, it doesn't seem likely. But no. <laughs> I was writing it, thinking there's no way I can come up with something here. But by the end, I talked myself into it. So even though we acknowledge it's going to happen, you get you got to trade Turner. You basically have to include you got to match salaries and there the only hope you've got with portland is to, is to include those two guys i mean mcconnell and and feast are 18 million combined i don't see why portland wants those guys so it's got to be healed and turner you need mm-hmm. at least one other player. i think it's got to i mean it almost has to be matherin we can talk a little bit about maybe nebhard but i think it has to be matherin and then it's just picks i mean the pacers could give four picks plus swaps Maybe you don't want to go to four if you're giving a Matherin. Maybe you only want to do three. Maybe you don't want to do any swaps. It's it's ridiculous to talk about the minutia of this of this imaginary yeah. will never trade. But tell me, am I nuts? Is is are they gonna is Portland gonna get a better offer than three first round picks, Benedict Matherin, Miles Turner, and Buddy Heald for Damian Lillard? Well, they're gonna get a better offer. I mean, I I think they are. You know. Um, <laughs> Maybe not. I mean, I, the you know, obviously, a big reason why it wouldn't happen is Lillard wouldn't want any part of it. Um, you know, certainly Lillard's going to going to want to go someplace that you're going to be a uh, you're going to be a contender, and the issue will be that it'll have to be there will be some pieces left uh, for the Pacers, certainly Toppin, Brown, stuff like that. But it's really going to be can Lillard and Halliburton coexist uh, and, and on the ball. I mean, like you know, just it, that's really the bigger issue. It's not like those two, you know, Tyrese Halliburton can coexist with anybody, uh, I think, you know, so I don't want to act like that's impossible. Tyrese will find a way to, to make it work with any type of player, whether he's ball dominant or not. Um, but, you know, will Lillard look around and say, this is good enough uh, for, you know, me to have a chance here? And obviously, you know, when, when you request a trade or demand a trade, certainly Portland still has to have its own um ideas in mind you know its own interest in mind because if you're saying okay well i want to move on it's like oh so trade me to the best place you can it's like okay well i also got to keep in mind that you're my franchise player and i I need to get something for you i can't just give you over to somebody and turn them into a championship team i better get some of those pieces that make them a championship team and have them for me so i can make my own championship team um but you know they're are they going to get a better offer than that i mean you know it's possible they won't, you know, get an established center. I mean, I, I think Miles Turner is a top 10 center. Um, you know, Buddy Heald is one of the best, I mean, best five shooters in the league. And if you, and he is could that be a, crazy. I mean, do, do you think Buddy, Buddy Heald's best top five shooter in this league right now? I would think shooters. so. Yeah. And, and yeah. he's, the, I mean, he's, he's obviously the, Curry and Clay are at a different level, but if, if I said Buddy Heald's the fourth best, just catch and shoot guy in the league. I don't think that's I don't think that's nuts. I'm trying to think of anybody else I'd put there, but Lillard's even, on the list. yeah, Lillard's on the list. Lillard obviously beat them, you know, built beat him and Tyrese in uh, in the three point sh- shooting competition. Certainly, Lillard's up there, but you know, I think you could legitimately say he's one of the top five shooters. Um, and so, you know, you get a top ten center, which I think would would be a um, upgrade over Nurkic. Um, as much as I think Nurkic's a really good player, I, I think, you know, some of those just big wide bodies guys are still pretty valuable, set big screens, you know, they are, are a little bit more skilled than you think. Um, you know, and and Matherin's a legit wing. And so you could pair Matherin with Scoot and, 
you know, those were a couple of nice pieces uh, to kind of start over, you know, if, if you're, you know, just going after guys that are in their early 20s and saying, OK, like this is going to be, uh, you know, my team, you still have Jeremy Grant, you know, you have. So, you know, Scoot Henderson, Ben Matherin, um, you know, you still have Anthony, Anthony Simons, who's still a young guy. So if you're moving Lillard and not him, you know, you still got that. You've got Grant and you got Turner at the five. That's not a bad basketball team. Uh, you know, to build towards. So, I mean, I think it's possible, but, uh, you know, obviously I don't think it'll happen for, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that the, the Pacers want to do this. Uh, certainly it just messes with their entire timeline completely and says, okay, well now you've got to try to just totally think about doing something different than you were doing. Um, but if, if for in that, for that pure question, are they going to get a better offer than Mather and Heald and Turner and picks? I would, you know, your answer is probably no. You know, there's there's a good chance they won't. Um, you know, it's it's certainly possible. You know, maybe they get uh, another star of some kind. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of. I haven't thought about this too far, but I mean, could you could you do Lillard for Matt for Harden straight up? I don't. Th- everything I've heard is that Philly doesn't fit for various reasons. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, but and it would have to be. Um, it's Harris. It would be Harris and uh, Maxi for for Lillard, and no one thinks that's happening. But again, no, I wouldn't think so either. We're um, not in the middle of these. Uh, I mean, we we're just repeating what we hear and what we see on Twitter. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not um, calling. But you know, I don't know who's playing things. defense with Lillard. I mean, Halliburton and Lillard. I I, I think they figure it out, and I don't mm-hmm. know who's playing defense. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, and I and. The forward group isn't the best in the world in that, you know, you've got Wara and you've got uh, Walker. You've got still got Toppin coming in. Um, you know, Brown can play some there, Naismith. Um, but that's the group that they've got anyway. And you're upgrading to an all-star backcourt. I actually think Smith and Jackson, you look at their numbers and it's not all about stats. Turner's better than them combined, but they're not an unreasonable combination as a center. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I went into this thinking I was nuts to, you know, I was I couldn't even see it. But, I, you know, why wouldn't the Pacers think about that? You lose in Matherin, but Lillard's what you hope Matherin can – some version of what you hope Matherin can turn into. So, so uh, I'm all in on uh, on my, <laughs> my fake uh, will-never-happen trade. Yeah, I mean, there's that. The, I mean, the difference is, is that Lillard's 12 years older. <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay. I want to wait out. (laughs) I'm good with that. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously. And then the best part is you can handle him and Halliburton. You're going to be paying them like 80, 85 million combined. But that's, you you can handle that because you could even, I mean, Brown and uh, Thies, that's 30 million right there if you cut them. And you don't, I don't even know that you need to do that. Toppin's counting 20 million against the cap with the cap hold. And we're getting deep into a rabbit hole in terms of how all this financial stuff works but but you could have i mean jackson's another one that you can cut loose at no cost tj mcconnell's another one that you can cut loose i'm not saying you'd want to do that but you've got enough flexibility that you could have two massive salaries and still put a team together you know all we got to do is convince damian lillard that indianapolis is the place he wants to be (laughs) and i'm sure that'll be easy yeah (laughs) i'm sure that'll be easy won't be a problem at all he's fine you know he'll see the school and everything else. What else could he? Uh, we'll show him guys. He'll be, you know, he'll he'll come right around. So, all right. That's all you need to do. Just take him to guys to be like, you didn't even know this was here, did you? I no, certainly probably did. didn't. But it was good enough for Paul George. It ought to be good enough for <laughs> Lillard. So, there you all go. right. Well, we'll we'll finish up on that wonderful yeah. uh, trip down Fantasy Lane. 
Uh, come to Indy Star. Uh, Dustin's got a story posting tomorrow. Greg Doyle's going to weigh in on free agency. I believe that'll be posting Wednesday. Um, mm. And obviously, we're sending Dustin to Las Vegas, so we'll have plenty of uh, more Pacers coverage from Summer League. Uh, also, also, Zion Brown's been helping us out. Let's make sure we give a shout-out to Zion Brown. I was out of town this weekend. Zion picked up for me at Summer League camp, so shouts to Zion, too. He's got a story posted from yesterday and today, so go to Bindi Star for all the Pacers uh, coverage, and we'll be back soon on the From Way Downtown podcast.